0: Hello and welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. I'm Emily, the chapter leader from Bristol in the UK. If you're listening to this, you probably have a pretty good idea what PBC is, but just in case you're new, let me explain. The Podcast Brunch Club is a massive international podcast appreciation club, kind of like a book club, but for podcasts. There are loads of small local chapters all over the world, across five continents, and we're growing every month. The PBC founder, Adela, runs her own chapter out of Chicago and I started the Bristol chapter just a couple of months back. Every month we set a listening list, a handful of different podcasts along a particular theme. We listen in our own time on our phones and iPods and then we meet up in pubs, bars, in libraries and even on beaches to chat about them. What you're listening to right now is our podcast of our own, The Brunch Club Podcast, which is another way to get involved. In this episode, we're opening up the conversation to club members from all over the world to share their thoughts on what we've all had our ears on. Last month's listening list was all about climate change. We heard from Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips. The
1: factor by far is that a person's stance on climate change has now become wrapped up in that person's political affiliation.
0: We heard from The Elephant podcast. The episode was called An Astronaut's View from Space. It
2: really is up to us, to the people living now, particularly the older generation, uh, who have the power, frankly, uh, to hand over the car keys, you know, to to a a habitable working planet.
0: We heard a brand new podcast called Terrestrial. This episode was all about how much climate change affects our decision to have children. What if
1: every person chose not to have children? Like just because of environmental issues? Is that a reason to stop life as a whole? In my mind.
0: Now. And finally we heard from the United States of Anxiety podcast, the episode called The Birth of Climate Denial.
3: This is a deliberate strategy that skeptics and deniers use if they can get the media to present scepticism as sort of equal and opposite to science and scientific evidence, then they have won.
0: So to get us started, let's hear from the LA chapter of PBC who met up last month on the beach, which is about the most Californian thing I've ever heard. Because conditions weren't great for recording people's thoughts right there on the beach, chapter leader Greg and his girlfriend Shannon sat down afterwards to share their thoughts. Here they are.
3: So... I think living in L.A., you know, climate change and uh, the environment, huge topics. Everyone out here is always talking about clean energy and solar and wind and whatever we can do to not be dependent on on dirty means of energy, if you will.
2: Right. Even the day-to-day recycling or any little thing that we can do to try to help the environment.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we even talked about how other states do things where... You have separate bins for food and for recycling and for trash, and like it's very sorted out to the point you get fined if you put food in the trash bin and that kind of stuff. And it's almost surprising we don't do that here in L.A. Because I'm shocked. Yeah, L.A. loves regulations. Yeah, especially when it comes to the environment. And we discussed when we were growing up here in the L.A. region. Like as you came into L.A. when we were kids in the '80s and stuff, you would see just that that thick black haze as you entered the valley, as they call it. And uh, that's definitely not nearly as bad as it used to be.
2: Right. They even had like a pollution day at school where they, you know, most states have snow days and, you know, L.A. has pollution days where they can't go to school because the pollution is so bad.
3: Yeah. We haven't had those, I think, since like the early 80s before before my time. So um, that was interesting. So uh, I think that's uh, the one common thread that we all agreed on that was like. Pollution is totally a problem, you know, whether you agree that it's affecting the weather or not is is up for debate, I guess. Even the person who wasn't totally convinced on climate change, definitely, you know, pollution still a problem. Dirty energy is still a problem.
2: Right. And um, that whole global warming concept was something that he was really not a fan of.
3: Yeah. And one thing I brought up, and I've always thought this, was that global warming was a horrible name from the start. Uh, it was a really bad marketing plan by the scientists. They really should have called it something like climate change or global, uh, oh shit, I don't know. But the problem with global warming was places got cold. Some places got colder. And so people went, yeah, <laughs> global warming, my, you know what? And so uh, a lot of people, you know, at that point didn't believe it was a real thing. So um, that was kind of unfortunate. We talked about this before the one dissenter showed up. But everyone that was there before that uh, agreed that a some sort of child limit would definitely help the environment improve over time. And whether it's one kid or two kids, you know. The biggest problem is a good policy to enact, to make that happen. Even if there was a great solution and and the scientists said like, oh, this is going to be the best thing in the world, like it's going to save us, all you have to do is not have a bunch of kids, there is still that certain uh, population in America that would not be for it. There's, you know, very religious sections that are not for that sort of thing and are for a lot of reproduction. So we'd we'd still have that sort of issue.
2: I think that it was, you know, that certainly could help, but that it wasn't going to be the sole solution to climate change.
3: Right. No one there thought that having kids was a motivation to do better for the environment. Right. It was kind of the general consensus that like, well, if kids make you do better, you were kind of already doing pretty good to begin with, and maybe you have just stepped it up a, a pinch.
2: Right. But I think one of the most interesting topics that we touched on was the fact that education allowed for... A reduced birth rate, but education also allows for a critique of the media. Yeah. You know, a questioning of the media. And so, sort of all of the things that came up as problems in these topics, education was something that could sort of solve that problem. Not just trusting one media source for what right. they're saying to you.
3: Absolutely. No matter which side you're on and which side they're on, you shouldn't just trust one source. We talked about the media a lot, especially out here, you know, with the second largest market and. Everyone we know works in the industry. So the way you perceive things has a lot to do with media and kind of the the channel you watch, whether it's Fox News or CNN. It's very different views on the same topic. Depending on who you watch, whether it's climate change or vaccines, you know, they might have people on, on various sides of that story. The news needs ratings. So what they do is they get the, the crazy people on either side of the fight because, you know, middle of the road is not exciting right. and not a ratings grabber.
2: Yeah, the extreme sell.
3: Exactly one of the questions was, is it the problem of our time or is this just hyperbole? And I think the uh, agreement was that it is the problem of our time, but kind of because we now know about it. Like, you know, in 1900 when the industrial revolution was full swing and people were using coal for everything. I don't think they knew how bad it was. And now we have ways to measure air quality and such.
2: Right. And I think that you can look at the science of it and know that the fundamental theories that are there are factual, so you can look at the fact that more CO two means that it's going to be warmer, right? And you can look and see that population is growing, and that humans produce CO two, and well, and the cows you know, we eat, right, you know, and the animals, yeah. all of that, and all the cars, we and you know that we're tearing down rainforests and mm. and constantly cutting down trees, and that those are the things that use the CO two. So clearly, at least to some extent, you have to believe that. It'll get warmer just because there will be more CO2. And so if you want your population to grow at the rate that it's growing, something has to be done or the population needs to not grow.
3: I think in the broad scheme of things, the consensus as far as how you would eventually solve the problem of climate change is economics and larger companies making it more affordable to do a cleaner version of whatever we're doing now. For example, Volvo the car company has pledged i think it's by 2025 to make no more fossil fuel vehicles not even hybrids like only electric and it's things like that you know technology becoming cheaper which is going to kind of drive it you know even if it's not because you want to save the environment well all of a sudden you can afford electric car it might be cheaper than gas and it's a hell of a lot easier just to fill up in your garage than it is to go into a gas station every couple days whatever it is so That kind of, I think, was the general uh, agreement that economics is what's going to drive this. Uh, You know, policy will help, but economics will be the big determining factor because there's companies that will purposely go, you know, against the law and pay the fine because that's still cheaper than changing their methods.
2: Right. Well, and economics will make it more mainstream. So the convenience factor was something that we talked about. It has to be convenient to recycle or to have an electric vehicle. I mean, in L.A., you know, we're talking about people with... uh, A 70 mile commute right and if their electric vehicle only goes 40 miles that means that mid commute they have to stop and recharge their car that's just not feasible for someone on a day-to-day basis and so as the economic advantages come about the convenience comes about and then it becomes easier for people to do things that are better right
3: and you talk about convenience your last apartment didn't have a recycling right can so in order to recycle if you lived at that apartment complex You had to schlep it to a recycling complex of some sort. Which you did, which (laughs) was horrible. But um, last thing I'll I'll touch here before we get out of here is one of the people today said, believe it or not, most people agree that clean energy is good. Like whether you agree in climate change or not, it seems like everyone agrees that clean energy is good. You know, solar energy is good, Uh, wind energy is good. Obviously, there's issues with some clean energies as far as like the, the trash that they produce, as far as like a Prius. You can't really recycle a Prius yet. They haven't figured that out. But Uh, clean energy is good energy and whether you believe in climate change or not, you still want clean energy. Right. I think that relates back to like LA being polluted in the seventies and eighties. Right. So, uh, anyways, I think that's it for us. Thank you guys for listening to us ramble. If anybody's ever visiting the LA region, hit us up. We'd love to have you at one of our super California beach trips. Yeah. Even in December, it doesn't get cold here.
0: Happy hour of the beach. Absolutely. (laughs) Bye everybody. That was Greg and Shannon from the PBC chapter in LA. And they're going to regret making that offer to join them on the beach when I turn up with my suitcase and my flip flops, demanding some Californian sunshine. My group in Bristol had some fairly similar discussions. Bristol is a pretty left-leaning city in the UK and there's a lot of people here who care very deeply about renewable energy, recycling, and doing what we can to save the planet. But we came to pretty similar conclusions when it came to the having kids issue. None of us really thought that it's ever going to be much of a trend to give up your chance to have children just because of the carbon they give off. Even the most hardened environmentalist is probably still going to have kids if they want them. Along with the LA chapter's point about education often being a starting point for changing attitudes, we discussed how important government intervention can be. For example, even in a country like the UK, where nearly everyone recycles nearly all the time, it still took government intervention to stop us using plastic shopping bags. The 5p plastic bag charge came into the UK around two years ago, and plastic bag use has dropped something like 85% since it came in, so we still needed the nudge. Next up is Sarah De Silva from the PBC chapter in Houston. Her group had some pretty interesting discussions about the link between climate change science and politics. In our group, we talked
1: about how even 10 or 15, 20 years ago, nobody would have even thought that climate change was not a thing, that it was just science, you just accepted it. And then we discussed that we think that Somewhere along the way, politicians and the media, they were in need of this extreme, you know, alarming thing to get people's attention. And so people started basically making up things and they got people to believe them and latch onto this pseudoscience or pull a a line out of a single scientific study and, you know, blow it up into this extreme thing that was not really real and extrapolate it, creating something that was not, there in the first place. And those politicians and the media started getting more attention. The politicians kept getting reelected. They found their base of people who were willing to believe those things because they didn't agree with what the status quo was. Um, They had a problem with something in the government or um, just felt, you know, oppressed by the government in some way. So we're not going to believe anything the government says anymore. Let's latch on to this new way of thinking and those politicians kept getting re-elected and people kept watching those news stories that were super extreme and um, that's kind of how we got to where we are today.
0: That was Sarah De Silva from the Houston chapter of PBC. And that's it for this community episode of the PBC Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can join in these discussions too if you have thoughts about the podcasts you hear or the topics we talk about. Just record something. A voice memo on your phone is just fine and email it in to podcasts at podcastbrunchclub.com. And as always, please head over to the website podcastbrunchclub.com to catch up on the latest listening lists or find out where your nearest chapter is. And if there isn't one near you, start one. Till next time.